Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. I'm Carolyn Gazella, and I co-host Five to Thrive Live with my good friend, Dr. Lise Allschuler. And I have to say, I have become quite fascinated with circadian rhythm and its impact on health. So that's why I wanted to do the show. It's really an important health topic. But before we begin, I'd like to thank the sponsors who make this show possible. First, Cetria Glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant and the body's primary defense against free radicals. It also helps support respiratory health. Cetria is a patented form of glutathione clinically proven to raise blood glutathione levels. For more information, visit cetriaglutathione.com. Also, Dr. O'Hara's Probiotics. It's a best-selling probiotic for more than 30 years, and it contains 12 probiotics strains that are shelf stable so no refrigeration is required because of a unique three-year fermentation process it's a very effective probiotic learn more at drohiraprobiotics.com and finally the iThrive plan which helps cancer survivors create online personalized physician approved wellness plans the iThrive plan turns scientific information into personal transformation learn more at iThrivePlan.com my guest is Dr. Peter Bongiorno who has clinical practices in New York City and Long Island he earned his naturopathic doctorate from Bastyr University and he is the co-author or author of several papers chapters and books on the topic of integrative medicine I have actually written with Dr. Bongiorno, which was a pleasure. Um, He specializes in mental health. Dr. Bongiorno, welcome. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is a great topic. And actually, one of the things that I interviewed you for was a a paper that I did on circadian rhythm. And um, boy, I have to tell you, ever since that paper, I just have not looked back. I'm just all all about the circadian rhythm. Um, it's an I, exciting I topic. It really is. Um, and mm. and first, before we we dive in, uh, what is it? What is circadian rhythm? Give give us circadian rhythm 101. Yeah. So circadian rhythm 101. I would say you know we're all basically animals, right? We're all walking around on this earth with two legs or four legs and. And, and the sun comes up during the day and it goes down and sometimes we see the moon and sometimes we don't. And, and, and our bodies are just so a uh, part of this natural world and, and part of the day and the night as in Chinese medicine, you would call it the yin and the yang. And, and so when, when the earth moves into day and into night, our body also makes a lot of changes and moves from day into night and then back into day. And, um, you know, many years ago, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, scientists and, and researchers and medical people weren't really sure why we even slept. You know, it's like we, everyone knew we slept and we didn't feel so well, but we didn't have a great idea why we slept. But as we're learning about circadian rhythm, which is this balance of our body 
moving through the day into the night and creating the changes that it needs to make for those times of the day. Um, you know, we're learning more and more how important it is for our, our biorhythms to be in touch and part and moving in sync with the biorhythms of the earth. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and, and, and there are clocks, right? There's a clock in your brain and then there's clocks in your cells and these clocks are all in sync with each other mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, exactly. So what happens is when, it, when it's daytime, you know, and, and light goes into our eyes, it hits the cells in our eyes in the back of the eye called the retina, and, and those actually create signals that go to our brain, to this area in the middle of the brain where a lot of physiological processes are, are run, and that area is called the hypothalamus. And in that area of the hypothalamus is a, is a group of cells called the suprachiasmic nucleus. And that is actually the cells that kind of synchronize the rest of our body to what's going on with, with the light or when the light goes down, what's going on with the darkness. Yeah, it, it's true. And how, how does the circadian rhythm um, impact health? Why is it so important to health? Well, it's important to health because... Um, depending on the variations of day and night and how well we're in sync with it, it will make changes in things like blood pressure and how our hormones are released and what's going on with our heart rate, um, inflammation in the body, what's going on with kidney function. um, And of course, what's going on with our sleep and wake cycle. How well do we go to sleep at the time we're really designed to go to sleep and how well do we wake up at the time we're designed to wake up? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the sleep-wake cycle because I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, sleeping, it's no big deal. There's not much going on when I'm sleeping, so why is sleeping so important? Um, But just the opposite is true, isn't it? I mean, our bodies are actually pretty active when we're sleeping. Yeah, there's a lot going on when we're sleeping because when we basically when we power down and go to sleep, our body uses energy to do other things, right? So certainly it, it, it helps us detoxify. The, that's when the brain detoxifies. So if you want a healthy brain that's really well functioning, we have to get good sleep. Um, the mitochondria, which are the energy packs in our cells, um, that's when they break down and, and rebuild and, and create better ones. Um, so, you know, that, and the body cleans up at that time, puts things together, the digestive tract cleans itself up. And so it, the body de-inflames. So all of these things happen while we're sleeping. And, and if we don't get enough sleep or if our circadian rhythm is off, then, then we're going to have issues based on the body's inability to take care of itself. Right. So let's talk about some of those conditions. I mean, you know, for, for example, um, if the, uh, if you're not getting enough of sleep, you have a higher incidence of, or higher risk of being obese. Um, but, but specific to circadian rhythm, what actual conditions are connected to an imbalance in circadian rhythm? Yeah. Well, well, certainly a poor sleep insomnia, you know, that's probably one of the big ones, right? So when, when, our, when our circadian rhythm is off, 
we're going to have changes and things like there's one hormone called cortisol, which gets released by the adrenal glands. And when that, and typically something like cortisol gets released in the morning um, at higher levels, and then it goes down during the day and it kind of, you know, is at its lowest in, in the evening. Uh, and, and another hormone called melatonin, which is released by the pineal gland in the brain, starts to come up at night. And, and gets released during the evening. And, and cortisol is basically one of the signals that tells us, you know, it's kind of daytime, it's time for activity, it helps release sugar, um, it, it, it actually plays a, a strong role in blood sugar. And melatonin is a hormone that tells our body it's nighttime, it's time to power down, it's time to go to sleep. And when we have an imbalance in our circadian rhythm, then those hormones actually, you know, get dysregulated and, and we'll have a lot of changes that aren't very healthy based on the dysregulation of those. Yeah, it's, it's really important because, it, as you said, cortisol gets us active and revved up and everything else. So you can imagine if that balance is off and all of a sudden we've got cortisol you know, um, pumping at night, um, it's going to be really challenging to sleep. Um, does the circadian imbalance actually put us at risk of other conditions? Like, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are either cancer survivors or they have a loved one with mm-hmm. cancer, like conditions such as cancer or diabetes or heart disease. Does that imbalance in the mm-hmm. circadian rhythm um, put us at an increased risk of any other conditions? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember the first time I, I heard about something like this was a number of years ago. They did this large women's health study. Uh, in nurses, and I think it was about 20,000 nurses or something, and they looked at people who were doing uh, night shifts, and what they found was that people who did night shifts had lower levels of melatonin at times when the levels should be higher, actually had much higher rates of breast cancer, as an example. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that was actually, you know, not done because there was some physiological change or genetic issue with, with the individuals because, you know, they had a different lifestyle where they were working at night and, and, um, you know, and sleeping more during the day. And that change in circadian rhythm was enough of a disruption, um, to, to increase the risk for cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I've read those studies and it always, you know, makes me a little nervous for shift workers, but fortunately there are things that you know, we can do. And, and I want to get into the practical advice, but first I want to spend a little time on mental health because that's your area of expertise. So what's the connection between circadian rhythm and mental health? Yeah, well, certainly I would say the first place is disrupted sleep, which we were talking about, because there's no question. Uh, in fact, the book that I've written, the first chapter of every book is about sleep. Because what I've learned is if people aren't sleeping well, um, it's very hard to keep your mental health optimal. So, um, so certainly um, sleep is, is a big part of that. Um, then cortisol itself, when it's dysregulated, it's going to make changes in, in how, um, how stressed out we feel as well. And that's going to, of course, play a big role in anxiety um, as well as depression. Yeah, exactly. Um, and those are those are the big ones: anxiety and depression. That's what we're trying to um, help with uh, um, with circadian balance. So let's talk a little bit about um, how we can proactively get our circadian rhythm back in balance. And I'd like to start with diet. 
Um, so from a dietary standpoint, how can we positively influence circadian balance? Sure. Well, you know, when, when we eat, that sends a signal to our body uh, for circadian purposes, meaning that uh, our bodies typically will release cortisol or not release cortisol, depending on the times that we eat. So I think one of the first things that's important is to eat, eat breakfast in the morning, you know, and, and have lunch at around the same time and have dinner at the same time and also try to keep a little bit of time for intermittent fasting because that's also been shown to be helpful to keep our circadian rhythms in balance. So I think keeping proper meal times. You know, it's funny, um, a couple of years ago I, I got a dog and it was the first time I'd ever had a dog and I brought the dog to the vet and the vet explained how important it is for the dog's life and for, for the stress of the dog that the dog, you know, has, has rituals where it eats at the same time. It kind of goes to poop at the same time. It goes to bed at the same time. It wakes up at the same time. And, and the vet explained to me how, you know, how it actually keeps the dog happier and healthier and less nervous. <laughs> and, and I was thinking to myself, gosh, you know, this is exactly the same for us, right? It's, you know, if we, if we go to bed at the same time, wake up. I mean, I know for some of the listeners, maybe that sounds a little bit on the boring side. But, but for health, keeping good circadian rhythm does mean keeping our rituals. And, and the rituals around food and, and food timing can be really important to that. I agree. And I was, I'm so glad that you brought up intermittent fasting because I've been doing intermittent fasting now for, gosh, probably well over a year where I track the length of my fast and whether or not I, if I work out on an empty stomach, et cetera. Um, I was surprised at the research uh, that uncovered that intermittent fasting actually has a balancing effect on circadian rhythm. So um, when, when I'm talking about intermittent fasting, I try to fast for anywhere from 12 to 16. And I have to tell you, it's, it's hard for me to go 16. Um, is that what you're finding is kind of the sweet spot or 14 or what, what are your, what are you looking at in terms of an overnight yeah. uh, fast? I mean, for, uh, you know, for my patients, I, I, if they haven't done it before, I like to start with a minimum of 12 hours. Um, so mm -hmm. that's, I think that's a good place to start, but yeah, I think, you know, I say 14, 15 hours, 16, probably optimal. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, kind of what the research kind of going without eating, certainly, mm -hmm. you know, drinking water, and, and, you know, there are people who are challenged in terms of blood sugar, especially if their insulin levels are a little high. So sometimes I'll even check insulin levels first. And if they're a little on the high side for certain people and maybe they're a little insulin resistant, then we might want to work on that first to yeah. get them to the point where, you know, the insulin levels come down. So this way they can have longer periods of fasting without feeling so, you know, blood sugar deficient and hungry. Right. Or hangry. <laughs> hangry. Yeah. Hangry. Uh, I fortunately, that, that, that doesn't happen to me with that uh, type of a fast. So that, so I'm, I'm lucky that way. Um, okay. So what about from a lifestyle standpoint, what are your recommendations mm -hmm. for your patients? You know, what should we be doing if we want to keep our circadian in balance or kind of reboot it and get it back in balance? Sure. Well, I, you know, I find one of the greatest um, challenges to circadian rhythm is, our, is the lifestyle that we keep and the decisions that we make, especially at night. You know, I mean, so many people, they work all day and they work a lot of hours and they get home and it's already kind of late and maybe they want to spend a little time with their family or a little time for their me time. And, and, and so it's hard to just 
get to sleep on time because, you know, you don't have, you only have so many hours during the day and very few ones that are free for yourself. So, so I do try to um, encourage my patients to, to have, to go to bed a little earlier, try to get a couple of days, you know, the ideally, you know, getting eight hours, I think is ideal and, and getting those eight hours, let's say between 10 and six, nine 30 and five 30 is probably optimal. Um, because, you know, a melatonin gets released in the early evening around that time. And, and when you catch those hours and get that sleep, when the melatonin gets released, you're going to have a better quality of sleep. In fact, in Chinese medicine, they would say an hour before midnight is worth two hours after midnight. So making the decision to get to bed early, I think, is important. Also, the rituals you have before you get to bed, especially, you know, trying to get rid of the blue light. Blue lights will inhibit your own melatonin secretion. So, you know, trying to drop the screens an hour before bed um, is really a good idea too, because that for many people, especially if you're sensitive to blue light, then that's going to be an issue as well. And then maybe not eating right up against bedtime, you know, so like we talked about earlier, getting that, you know, that fasting time, which again, you know, for many people who come home late and they didn't get a chance to eat, they, they want to eat something because they're still hungry, you know, so it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, so I ask my patients these questions and, and we try to come up with, you know, ways to um, move past some of those challenges. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the eight hours because I, I have a goal. So a lot of the research that I read um, about lack of sleep and, and poor health is that if you are getting six hours or less, even one night of that puts your body into an insulin resistant state. It can increase inflammation. It can increase a bis- uh, um, risk yeah. of obesity. So I always try to get seven or eight hours because that takes me out of that danger zone. Um, when I tell people that, I, I often get uh, this this response, and, and you may get this from your patients. People will say, "Oh, yeah, but we're all different. I I don't I don't need as much." Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you say to a patient who's like, "Yeah, you know, I I I can live on less sleep." Right. Well, you know, I mean, if they're in my office, it's typically because we're working on some kind of, you know, issue, yeah, and true. Um, <laughs> and I don't know of any medical or health issue that doesn't do better with with more sleep or the, enough sleep. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I'm sure it's possible that there are outliers out there who can get six hours and, and they do fine. But in my experience over the last 17 years, I find no matter what the health issue is, if, if a patient optimizes their sleep, they tend to get better. I had a patient um, a couple of years back, he was a tennis pro and he had these shoulder problems and it, and it wasn't allowing him to teach anymore. And, you know, he had been to many conventional doctors and, you know, he had cortisone shots and he had done acupuncture too, which, you know, I believe in and I do as well. Um, and and uh, a lot of different treatments, nothing was seen to help. He took all these supplements, he took medications for a while. Um, and we, we talked about his sleep and he basically went to bed around 1.30, woke up around 6.37 and he felt like he got enough sleep. And the only thing we really changed was his sleep pattern. We, I got him to go to bed earlier and sure enough, that that shoulder started healing. Mm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and and really, that was the only difference we, we made, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so, so sometimes the body just needs that extra time to heal. And he was, you know, he was someone who thought, oh, I have enough sleep, my energy is good, you know, I don't need it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
You know, you mentioned stress and anxiety and it's, you know, sleep and stress go hand in hand. Oftentimes it's a vicious cycle. Like if I can't sleep, it's because my mind is racing and I'm thinking about tomorrow or or a a work problem or whatever and and, uh, I'm stressed. Um, what, what advice do you have for patients in terms of stress management uh, when it comes to uh, the lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Well, specifically when, in regards to sleep, I think, you know, getting a handle on what it is you're thinking about before you go to bed is a good idea. I, I, know, I know for me it really works to do a to-do list, you know, a little earlier in the evening before I go to bed because that'll take off my, from my brain some of the things that I'm just thinking about. Um, so I find that's really helpful um, and, and really kind of, you know, and for people who have, you know, stresses beyond just the to-do list, things that they're actually worried about, then, then really kind of addressing them, you know, going to therapy, um, you know, really uh, becoming aware of their thoughts earlier in the day. Because then what happens is if you're distracted all day, when you go to bed, that's usually the first time you're kind of just with yourself. And, and I think our brains, if I could personify our brain as kind of a separate person, our brain, you know, kind of turns to us and says, okay, now I got you. We're going to go over all this stuff <laughs> that I've been just thinking about all day. So, so I think being proactive and, and working on those stressors in different ways and creating a to-do list and, you know, th- those things can really help. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so I know that you often uh, recommend dietary supplements. So I'd like to spend a little time on dietary supplements because obviously Dr. Alshuler and I um, definitely believe that dietary supplements can be helpful. So what are some of the supplements that people can try to help with circadian balance? Sure. Um, well, certainly, you know, probably the top one, you know, many uh, practitioners like myself will use is melatonin. Um, there's regular melatonin, there's time release melatonin. It's been used, you know, safely for many, many years. In fact, um, uh, I'll, I'm just finishing a paper with a, a few other authors about pediatric melatonin and the safety features. So even in children, it's been shown to be quite safe. Um, and, and it, you know, and traditionally, I mean, originally it was used as a way to kind of offset any, um, circadian issues due to time travel, uh, time travel, due to, yeah. <laughs> due to airline travel, mm-hmm. time travel. Yeah. You probably need a strong melatonin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's, and, uh, and, and it's because it works, it works really well and, and helps us reset. So our body knows what time it is and what time we need to go to bed. Um, and I do use a regular melatonin for people who have trouble falling asleep. I'll use a time release for people who have trouble staying asleep. And um, so I think, you know, that, so that's probably one of the easiest ones, and, and it does work quite well. Yeah, um, and, and before, that, we leave, before we leave melatonin, uh, because there's, mm-hmm. there's some confusion about uh, dosage, and, and another reason mm-hmm. why I like melatonin is because it has anti-cancer, I mean, it's an antioxidant, it's a, yeah. it's a powerful substance, really. Um, but what dose do you recommend um, typically for your patients? Sure. Um, you know, I, I'll usually recommend anywhere between one and three milligrams as a starting dose, um, maybe a half hour before bed. Okay. Before intended bedtime. Um, I have some patients, especially, you know, dealing with cancer who take 20 milligrams. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and this doesn't seem to be an issue as well. 
Um, and I'll have patients who take a half a milligram. And, and some patients who are so sensitive that we might use a, a liquid melatonin, which comes in about a tenth of a milligram drop. And, and that could work for them taking two, you know, maybe three or four tenths of a milligram. So everybody's different. Um, so typically I'll start with one milligram, see how they feel with it. And we might move up, we might move down. There, occasionally you'll find someone who's sensitive and might have um, more vivid dreams with it or might actually feel a little groggy when they wake up in the morning. And, and if that's true for them, then that might not be the best you know, choice for them. And then mm-hmm. we might move to other things. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what would be another uh, supplement that you would recommend? Sure. Well, um, and I know Dr. Ausler would agree that adaptogens, mm-hmm. you know, herbs that can help kind of balance the uh, cortisol in our body as an example um, can be really useful. So things like ashwagandha, probably my favorites would be something like ashwagandha or rhodiola. Um, sometimes some like eleutherococcus, which is a Siberian ginseng, um, holy basil. You know, sometimes it'll depend just on the clinical picture, like what herbs kind of work well with a particular patient's physiology, maybe for other health issues. Um, and it's not just about calming cortisol. Sometimes it's about raising cortisol. So we might even use things like licorice, you know, in the morning. So I know we're always thinking about what to take at night, but sometimes when you want to adjust people's circadian rhythm and their cortisol is very low in the morning, you can use something like licorice to help, to help cortisol increase at that time of the day. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Uh, Dr. Al Schuler has written about adaptogens, done podcasts, and she's a, a big fan. And when I was researching this topic, um, she was another one that I, I called upon. Um, and I also was impressed with the research associated with the adaptogens. Um, in, in addition to circadian rhythm, um, what's the impact that adaptogens have on stress? Yeah. Well, adaptogens are really wonderful kind of tonics for the adrenal system, um, and it's very nourishing to the adrenal gland. So it also has, I think, that effect on kind of nourishing our system and uh, while calming the, the stress system at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other supplements are you uh, looking at? Um, you know, I, I like to use phosphatidyl uh, serine, which is a good... Um, I think a good supplement to help kind of lower cortisol, especially at night. Um, There are different amino acids that we might bring in, like things like tryptophan to kind of support serotonin while we're working on the stress system. Um, And then there there are nervine uh, herbal uh, herbal medicines as well. And that could be something like chamomile, which is very good to kind of calm the stress system as well as help the digestive system. So there are a lot of choices, and I think it would depend on what the patient, him or herself, presents with, and then kind of matching um, that particular supplement and herb to to that person's set of conditions. Right. I think that's where the whole individualized approach of naturopathic medicine is very powerful, um, because what you're trying to do as a naturopathic physician is you're trying to kind of balance the system and get down to the root cause. I know you're huge in terms of not putting a Band-Aid on things. You, you definitely like to dig in and get down to the root cause. Um, and, and is that the approach that you use with circadian imbalance as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, so I would say in my toolbox, well, first of all, I know we didn't talk too much about it, but I like, I like to test circadian rhythm if, if it's possible. 
Um, there are wonderful saliva tests and urine tests that we can use to actually see what is going on with cortisol throughout the day. Um, and I think that's helpful because sometimes, you know, I'll have a lot of patients who will come in and they're already on an adrenal supplement, let's say, that raises uh, adrenal, like it kind of stimulates the adrenals and to help raise cortisol, where the truth is uh, their cortisol is actually too high. So I think to individualize the approach even more, if it's possible to do, getting some testing done can be really useful. And then bringing in the appropriate treatments, and it could be things we do in the morning to, let's say, help stimulate them, maybe you know, getting a, a patient to do some exercise first thing in the morning, getting some sunlight, taking licorice, maybe taking some adrenal supports in the morning or some adrenal glandular, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe doing meditation during the day, breathing work, and then at night, you know, having changing the sleep rituals and using things like melatonin and, and adaptogens and nervines and things to help calm. So really yeah. trying to re- recreate the circadian rhythm that's gotten out of balance using yeah, these different approaches kind of together. Yeah, and I love the idea of testing because some of these tests too, um, it really helps illustrate. It kind of shows a picture to the patient and it's really easy for the patient to then understand, oh, well, this is what's going on in my body. Um, well, th- this has been super exactly. helpful, Dr. Bongiorno. And I'm wondering where can listeners find out more about you? Do you have a website where they can log on and, and uh, find out more about oh, your thank work? You. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to www.drpeterbongiorno.com. That's D-R Peter, and then my last name, bongiorno.com. All so, right. Um, yeah, drpeterbongiorno.com. And that will talk about your books and your work. And um, and I, I just really appreciate you coming on and, and helping us understand. It's a complex, but it's such an important topic. Thank you again for, for joining me. Oh, what a pleasure, Carolyn. Thank you for all the wonderful work you do and putting out such great information and helping so many people. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, it's, it's, we're passionate about it. And, and that wraps up this episode of 5 to Thrive Live. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cetria Glutathione, the master antioxidant, Dr. O'Hara's high-quality probiotics, and, of course, the iThrive plan that Dr. Alshuler and I developed. May you experience joy, laughter, and love. It's time to thrive, everyone. Have a great night. Oh.